Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A warm welcome to our Bam Dad Radio listeners. Welcome to Culture and Psychology. This is Dr. Alex Andrade with Dr. Daniel Rockers. Uh, we are missing the uh, lovely, intelligent, brilliant Dr. Saide Malakavzali. Um, she is in a better place, uh, not dead, but just, you know, doing something. And so, uh, yeah, she's uh, living her life, which we always, from time to time, we'll, we'll, we'll all take a little time off. Uh, I feel like I've taken way more time off than you guys, too. So I'm glad I Saide is. Yeah, I have. I know. It's it's horrible. I need to work every now and then. But uh, yeah, Saide is enjoying herself right now. Uh, Dr. Daniel Rockers and myself uh, are here today. And we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about something that I think we've alluded to it in several conversations that we've had, but maybe never specifically kind of focused on it. Um, and, and we may go all kinds of different ways with it, but I, I think it's one of those things where we've talked about it indirectly so many times, uh, a little bit directly, and it's definitely something I talk with a lot about uh, patients uh, in my own personal life. I talk about it, uh, friends as well, um, and it touches on so many different kind of aspects of I think well-being. Um, but we're talking about the stomach. Our, our stomach is kind of the center of us. Uh, a lot of times, I think from an evolutionary perspective, you know, if you think of an animal being attacked, one of the things that it tends to do is protect its its belly. It's one of the most sensitive areas of our body. And so, you know, it, it's one of those things where we, there, there's so much, even in, in the common sayings related to our stomach uh, in our society, uh, even ideas of like health and beauty are kind of centering around that. Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, without giving away too much of it, uh, yeah, definitely jump in and, and just kind of talking about the stomach, uh, you know, big, big, broad, open question, Daniel, for you, when you even hear the word stomach, I mean, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? I think of the saying of, I can't stomach it. Oh, okay. Okay. I cannot stand it. I can't stomach it. It just, mm. or as my mom used to say, I'm just sick of it. She's she frequently saying that I'm sure in response to something I did or said, <laughs> but I think it was like, I can't stomach it type can't of stomach. I think that's, that's what I think of with stomach. Like I can't stand something. Mm. I cannot endure it. I can't bear it. It's yeah. too much for me. Like a measure of tolerance. How much can we take? I can't stomach it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. That's what I think of with stomach. That's my initial take on it. The next place that I would go to it, which is as you were talking, I was thinking about this is in science. One of the big discoveries recently is how important the microbiome is mm. and microbiome being the short, the, the general version is it's gut health. But if we look more specifically, it's the bacteria that inhabit our stomach and our intestine. And the bacteria that inhabit the stomach and intestines are what help break down the food so that we can get energy from our food. So the microbiome and the biome, meaning like a biological ohm, we hear a lot in science today about ohms, right? Mm -hmm. Transcriptome the biome, the microbiome, it's all these ohms 
that are going on. Everything is with the suffix of ohm, O-M-E. But microbiome is your biota or bacteria that are in the, in the gut. So microbiome is a big thing. What they're finding too, also, this is an important piece, is that the, the gut, your gut health and the microbiome are also very connected with your mental health, like depression. And that the, the cause effect, I don't think has not yet been established, but they can, they check the gut health of people who are depressed and it is different than people who are not depressed. So there is a distinct connection too, but it fits with, I think that I can't stomach it, but it fits also with things like what you said earlier. Did you say like butterflies in your stomach or those other things that are associated with that? There's a connection. There's a connection. I am quite sure with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hadn't said that yet on the air, but yeah, that, uh, that was one of the things I was thinking of is, you know, we can all, the, the way I usually describe it to individuals, you know, the, the mind and body connection, as we've talked about before, is something that definitely as psychologists, we know, you know, I've talked with medical doctors, they know that. But the, 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 the average person tends to maybe sometimes minimize it or downplay it. But one of the areas that I find is very socially accepted is if we were to say, I have butterflies in my stomach. Now, even if we don't agree that, you know, the mind and the body are connected, most people understand what that means. People can understand that something has happened and how you're perceiving it is impacting you so much that you're nervous or you're uncomfortable, or sometimes it's a, an excited feeling too. Like we like somebody, we get butterflies in our stomach. And so we, we have a feeling very rarely. I find, will somebody say, what you have butterflies in your stomach? What you're like, what that, why are you feeling that way? That your stomach's not going to feel some way when you're nervous or, or when you're excited, that that's, that's, that's faulty. That's wrong. What's wrong with you? Most people will be like, Oh man, are, are you okay? Like what's going on? Or like, Oh my God, like, that's great. Like that's, I'm so happy that you're happy that way. People won't downplay it. But a lot of times, you know, if we were to say the mind and the body are connected or your gut can impact, you know, psychologically how you're feeling or psychologically, can impact your stomach. People might be like, well, I don't know, maybe. And so, yeah, the, the whole butterflies in the stomach, it's, it's one of those, I think, socially accepted connections between our mind and our body. People, yes, people understand it and they understand it because almost everybody, if not everybody has had that experience. They know what it means when we get excited. We, it registers physically. Yeah. Actually, yeah. every emotion that we have registers physically. Oh, I work a lot in my practice with people and ask them about how they feel. It's kind of like the first level. Can you say how you feel? And a lot of people often will respond with how they think instead of how they yeah. feel, <laughs> which you know very yes. well. But if you go deeper than a level deeper than that, well, if you know how you feel, then it's the, the question of where do you experience it physically? How do you experience it physically? If we think a little bit about it, you can detect which emotions, right? If you are sad or tearful, a lot of times it's a lump in the throat. You feel a puffiness in your face or your face may feel hot, tears in your eyes, that sort of a thing. Yeah. You feel yeah. nervous or anxious. It could be butterflies in your stomach, like what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Anyway, all emotions have a physical basis yeah. there. And it only makes sense, right? If we think in terms of evolution, these emotions came about before we had words to speak them. 
Unfortunately, we get away from having words to speak them, which probably goes back to when people have stomach issues that have been ignored for a while or emotional issues that get ignored for a while will often show up in the gastrointestinal system, the GI system, very common. I can remember when I was 13, I had cat scratch fever, which is peripheral to this discussion. But at the time I was in the hospital and I can remember one of the physicians talking about how sensitive the bowels were to stress. And he said, even just walking across the street, like if a car would suddenly stop, like it almost hit you, he said, that can be enough to change the bowels such that you might have diarrhea or something like that. Like they might cause evacuation at that point. But our bowels are very sensitive to stress. Our stomach, our gut, is very sensitive to stress. Well, that's like related to one of the things that they don't really talk about when it comes to fight or flight. Part of the flight part, especially like with animals, uh, from kind of, you know, physically what happens is an animal will release itself. It'll have a bowel movement. It'll urinate as part of that flight so that it, it, it can have it can be lighter and can run faster in that way. People don't think about that uh, in regards to fight or flight in ourselves, you know, as far as anxiety, we're like, oh yeah, I was really scared and I crapped myself and then I ran away. Like we don't think of it in that way, but that's kind of a piece of that. Like that allows the flight um, related to that too. Our, our stomach digestion will stop during that time. And all the other, the, the resources of our body are, expended to other parts of our body, our, our legs, again, bowel movements, because it's like, okay, I don't have time to, I always think of it as this way. The body's not like, I don't, I don't have time to digest right now. I need to survive. And so the focus is going to go to those other parts of the body, including the bowel. So it's like, okay, let me get rid of that. So I can be a little bit lighter and fly and get away from this threat that I'm experiencing. So I think that relates to uh, your example where it's like, you know, a person can be in a life-threatening situation and find that their stomach gets really upset. They, they may not have, uh, you know, an immediate reaction, but yeah, you can have, you know, diarrhea or, you know, later on or your stomach's upset or just something doesn't feel right. And a lot of times too, people will say, yeah, something doesn't feel right. And will even sometimes put their hand on their stomach or on their chest. It's just like, you know, that, that center of us, I would say if, if something's off, we're going to feel it in so many different places of our body. But I find a lot of times our stomach is one of the core, it is the core aspect of kind of who we are, what we are in that way. Yeah, I've had, I work with a lot of PTSD, people with PTSD, and a number of them report losing bowel or bladder control mm -hmm. in that emergent situation. Sure. I had one person who was operating very high up on the side of a building, and as they dropped, he reported that he had lost uh, bowel control, crapped his pants. It gives rise to the saying, right? It scared the blank out of me, scared the crap out of me or scared mm -hmm. the pee out of me. Yeah. That is really, there is a real basis for that. It yeah. really does happen. Yeah. And, and related to that too, important point I want to mention too, is it's, it's a life threatening situation. A lot of times or one that is so dire that, you feel as though something, you know, horrific might happen to you. And, and so again, it's, it's, I mean, you know, to have an accident and f almost fall off the side of a building, like your body is going to take over in that moment. You're not going to think, Oh, I'm falling. And this is very dangerous. No, like 
our body reacts. And so it's, it's one of those things too, where I think that could be a very challenging part of something like that too, because it maybe isn't something we've ever experienced before that level of threat, as well as even our body kind of reacting and responding in that way. Yeah. On its own, like you said, it's outside our control. Well, with that, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. Uh, Dr. Uh, Daniel Rockers and myself, Dr. Alex Andrade, uh, missing uh, Dr. Saide Malakov-Zali. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back and continue to talk about uh, the stomach, the gut uh, on today's culture and psychology. Welcome back. This is Dr. Alex Andrade with Dr. Daniel Rockers on today's episode of Culture and Psychology. Uh, not joining us today is Dr. Saide Malakafzali, uh, but she will be back soon and probably will have a lot to say in regards to most of the things that Daniel and I have talked about today. Um, in regards to our topic, uh, we're talking about the stomach. So far, we've talked about some ideas related to kind of butterflies in our stomach. Um, you know, uh, Daniel, you mentioned the idea of, you know, we can't stomach something, uh, even to the extreme of uh, dangerous life-threatening situations that can scare the crap out of us. And so as we've been talking, we really emphasized how the mind and the body are connected in, in our gut, again, is a core aspect of our experience and our being. Uh, I wanted to kind of extend the conversation um, in regards to related to like health as we were, as you kind of were talking about the microbiomes in our stomach in regards to our mood. Uh, definitely, I think our stomach is a central part of us in regards to our health. I, I think that also relates to like beauty and ideals of uh, kind of image or self image. Uh, I know a lot of times, you know, the, the abs, you know, the, the lustrous abs that, no matter how many sit-ups I do, I probably will never have in my life. But I, and I do talk about the glory days when I did have abs for like one summer um, when I was like a teenager, which of course you're a teenager, you're going to have abs. Uh, but um, I mean, I'm sorry if that's, you know, disheartening to any of the listeners to imagine that I don't have abs. Anybody who thought I did have abs does not know me at all. But uh, no, it's it's one of those things where I think it's, oh, it's like, wait, wait a minute. Yes. You, yes. You don't have abs anymore. Come on, man. I know. I know. I'm not even going to ask you if you do. You probably do. You probably like, yeah, I always have abs. Like I just do, uh, you know, five pushups and, uh, and 10 sit-ups and I'm good. Yeah. My, my brother is like that. He doesn't work out at all. But then if he does, all of a sudden he's like super in shape. And it drives me crazy. And so, uh, yeah. And again, uh, that's a great example. The idea is like abs are this like ideal or pinnacle of like 
being in shape and, and you know, even attractiveness, people are like, oh, they got abs. And it's just like, oh, uh, but yeah, I think most people, uh, I, I know men, a lot of times we tend to carry a lot of our weight right in our gut. And it's one of the hardest places uh, to, to really get rid of. Even when I was at my most active, my most healthiest, uh, you know, maybe a year or two ago, that was still there. And I was like, this is not going away at maybe a certain age. It's just like, Nope, that's just a part of who you are. But, uh, again, it's one of those things where it's, it's kind of the center of you and it can be kind of, you know, this, this thing that you struggle with in regards to, uh, you know, what that is supposed to look like in regards to beauty. Um, you know, even trying to, you know, eat healthy, uh, you know, we want, we want to eat foods that don't sit in our stomach. I, I know you can have that feeling of like feeling bloated or just feeling like really heavy in that area. Uh, yeah, definitely. It could be one of those things that, that exercise being active as well as even health can really kind of center around your stomach. Well, you know, I think that the abs, that midsection is often revered as a sign of physical fitness, probably because if you have a job where you sit a lot, mm. that gets out of shape. When we think about people who are very athletically toned, we don't think about them sitting a lot. We don't imagine that they're sitting around a lot. Yeah, Michael Phelps is not sitting at a desk uh, all day. He's, he's, he's swimming. Yeah, <laughs> he's like a shark. He's just always swimming. I, I imagine he's just constantly in a pool. Right. It's a you got to stay hungry type of thing. Yeah. Like maybe that's where that comes from is like a shark. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to stay hungry. It's, it's on the prowl. It's ready Constant, to. Yeah. Constantly to moving. I mean, I think it means motivated. Mm-hmm. But anyway, coming back to the abs, your, your question. No, I don't. I wish that I did. <laughs> but why? Why do we wish that we did, though? Think about that, too. Even again, that the, the emphasis on you know, ideal health or, or what do you I think? think? It's a couple things. I think one of them is it. It like I I think it looks good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that if I had that, I probably would feel better physically mm-hmm. to be toned up and built up that way. I know that as I get older, I can tell my back gets sore when I get up in the morning. And I think having a toned midsection and also a toned back probably will help that too. So I think it's a it's health related. I think there's probably some vanity and ego in it too. Sure. Yeah. Other people like to look at it. We like to have other people admire us. So, I mean, show me somebody who doesn't like to be admired. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And again, it's such an interesting thing because it's like, yeah, again, I think it being the center of us, you know, it's something where it's, it's a measure of, of beauty or a measure of attractiveness or health or fitness in a way that's, that's very unique. Again, because somebody has to go out of their way to show you their abs. They're either lifting their shirt up or they're not wearing a shirt. That is true. It is not the common standard that your abs are showing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wear a lot of midriffs. I don't know about you, Daniel. I don't, I don't wear a lot of midriffs. And I'm and again, nothing to, against midriffs, but trying to cut down. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually an intervention for you and the number of midriffs you wear, Daniel. And so right. uh, either get the abs or get rid of the midriff. That's what actually there was a time. This was way <laughs> don't, back. Don't Daniel, don't do it. This I'm going to stop recording. Okay. We're going to end the show of. early today. <laughs> it's not what you're afraid of. Actually, there was a time 30 years ago when I was in the airport is when I traveled a lot in my previous career. I traveled a lot. I was in the airport, flying out of Tucson, going back to Dallas. And I was sitting in the, not the lounge, the waiting area. And I started noticing 
these guys coming in there who were like, like super cut up, you know, not excessively bulked, but they were pretty big yeah. and they were wearing these shirts, like t-shirts that had been ripped into a tank top type of thing. Mm. So they were, and they were all tanned and they were all buff and everything. Yeah. And I finally realized from hearing them talk, they were Chippendales. Oh, <laughs> like the male dancers, the male yeah. stripper dancers. Yeah. And then it all made sense, but it was, wow. They really were all caught up there. I forget why I was telling you. I don't story. know why you were telling that story, Daniel, but uh, yeah, no, I mean. Me, you threw me <laughs> off when you said, no, no, no. Because I had some good point to make. Oh, we were talking about midriffs. And, uh, those yeah. people, they are the ones who walk around with their midriffs showing. That's yeah. what it was. That's yeah. exactly right. So, and, yeah, and it, not, I mean, not me. I yeah. wasn't. That's what you're afraid. That's of. why. That's why I was afraid of. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 There was a time when I did that. Yeah. But, no. but as we were talking too, it's just there's these ideas about what that means. Both. I mean, definitely we can say that about other parts of our body, our, our shoulders, our arms. But yeah, I think that's an area like you can have you know shoulders and arms, and but if you had a belly, it's like oh man, that looks weird or that's off. And so again, it's one of those things where it is a measure of that way in that kind of central part of us. We also talked about like food, as I was mentioning food and kind of even that like heavy feeling, feeling bloated. It feels as though that is kind of centered in our stomach. Uh, I know we talked about, you know, there's even the idea of like, don't eat, you know, uh, don't swim 15 minutes uh, after eating. It's one of those things. So even that our stomach, the food that we eat can dictate kind of what our body can, uh, can do in that way. Uh, even, you know, a lot of times too, after a big meal, it's nice to go for a walk, but you probably, I know me, I don't, I don't, I'm not going for a run after I eat, like I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get nauseous, you know? And so, especially I find too, as they've getting older too, certain foods, I just, they, they don't sit well anymore. You know, I can't go and eat make fast food. Um, it, it's gonna leave a very uncomfortable feeling. Um, I want to eat more healthier foods. Uh, I'm not eating as much. I'm not like, you know, devouring as much food as I can. I know if I do, it ends up kind of really impacting me. So again, that idea of the, the stomach being the center of us, you know, how we eat, when we eat, what we eat, uh, definitely can be something that, uh, is, is a big influencer. It's funny. I was uh, spending some time with family recently and we were talking about, it was a couple of my male cousins and uh, a female cousin and my cousin's girlfriend. And we were all talking, the guys were all talking about our stomachs and we were talking about like how we eat and what and my cousin was like, you guys really sit there and talk about like your bodies and your stomachs. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. We're like in our thirties, early forties. And it's like, we're a little bit more aware that, we have to respect it more. And no matter what we do, it isn't probably going to change too much. So yeah, it's definitely one of those things you got, you got to learn to contend with food, what you eat, even how you're active. Yeah. I think there's multiple meanings to an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And I think that's true. You pay attention to what you eat. It is the sign. As we get older, we realize why old people <laughs> talk about their health or about their food. The, what they eat, or they become more choosy about what they eat. What I've noticed, it seems to me that as people get older, they eat more fruits and vegetables. They kind of pay attention more to that. I don't know. Does that, do you notice that too? Have you noticed that? Well, I think it's like, again, I was saying getting further away from like fast food, like me, if it, I had a choice between like a sausage McMuffin in the morning and some yogurt and fruit, I'm definitely going with the yogurt and fruit. Like I'm, I'm not even going to 
It's not even a temptation. I, I'll even sometimes crave something a little healthier in that way because I know it's going to feel better for the rest of the day or start the day off. And then also too, I know my stomach is going to feel a little bit more steady, uh, feel a little more comfortable in that way. And I feel like I'm doing something for my overall health as well. Yeah. Your stomach thanks you. Yeah. It's just, it's the thing is I figured out a long time ago that all you can eat buffets are generally <laughs> a bad idea for me. Nothing good comes out of an all you can eat buffet anymore. Yeah, no, they're all not. I can eat is not very much. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, I'd go to these all you can eat pizza buffets, which at the time seemed like a good idea. But I pretty quickly realized if I eat more than two pieces, I feel rotten the rest of the day. So, yeah, all I can eat, it's not that much. Yeah. It's probably a good thing that way. Yeah. I think in the time of COVID, too, they're getting rid of those, too, because it's like even with the protective glass, you got a lot of hands uh, kind of touching stuff and a lot of people walking around it. Yeah, you don't want food just kind of open and out, which I'm kind of glad that's the one thing I could say. I'm glad COVID ended. Like, let's get rid of all you can eat buffets. I don't really see any benefit to that besides gluttony and just being, you know, unless you like taking naps right after you eat because you're so full. Uh, you know, you can just take a nap. You don't have to eat all you can eat to do that, too. Well, I talked with somebody who worked at a supermarket and they said, you know, they have those kind of those buffets out there where you could pick up the food. And oh, yeah, yeah. Food. And there's some pretty bad stories about what happens that you don't really when you go there, you may not see it, but some bad things have happened <laughs> leading oh, up to that. <laughs> Again, another great example of what we should probably not put in our stomach is something at an all-you-could-eat kind of uh, place or buffet, yeah. All right, we're food out in the open. But yeah. what about potluck, man? What about potluck dinners? Oh, yeah, that's. I feel like that's kind of coming back a little bit. Uh, a clinic I used to work at in Chicago when I was there last uh, a few months ago, they, they just said they had a potluck again and it had been a while. And so... Again, even that's kind of like, you know, the people and maybe there's a small group of people. So I can see, you know, that being maybe okay. But even then that's, yeah, I think that's on the line. I think that's on the line with the all you can eat kind of thing. And so, uh, yeah, you don't know who was prepared by, you know, what was, uh, what was kind of happening. That's like, uh, we should probably add something related to culture in here uh, <laughs> in this show today. Since we are culture and psychology. Culture and psychology. It's funny. I always tell people too, like, cause uh, like tamales, which are a Mexican food, uh, usually around the holidays, uh, it's uh, like meat, some kind of meat, sometimes a, um, uh, not a vegetable, but like olives or uh, something else in the middle along with uh, masa around the side. And, and then it's in this corn husk and you unwrap it. And you can make them at home, but they're a lot of work to make. I've tried horribly to make them with family. I've learned I am not good at doing it because you have to like spread the masa on the corn husk. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot harder than it sounds. Uh, at least for me, you have to go a certain way. Otherwise it rips and it's just like this huge mess. But my point is with the tamales, a lot of people will buy them and you can buy them from like kind of almost like vendors on the streets, people who sell them, people who make them at their house and you can pick them up and then you get them. I would tell people, I am not buying tamales from somebody where I don't know if they made it at their bathtub, at their house, after they got done showering or something and they just have a whole like 
you know, bathtub full of masa. Like I, I don't want to find out, like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, at least at okay. my mom's or my family's, I can see what they did, but somebody else, I don't know where that masa has been. I don't know where those tamales are coming from. I'm okay. Like I even had a rule cause like patients would bring uh, tamales in or food and staff. Sometimes they would purposely not tell me that somebody brought it in until I was like eating it. And they're like, Oh yeah. So-and-so patient brought it in. And I'd be like, Hey, I told you, like, I'm not eating something that I don't know where it came from. And again, restaurants, like you were saying, and uh, all you can eat buffets, you probably don't know what's going into that too. But I like to think that's a little bit more monitored than uh, somebody making tamales out of their bathtub. I don't know. That's just me. Okay. I just want to jump in with one piece on that. (laughs) You can say all of the things that you said, and it's totally fine. Because of your cultural heritage. Probably not. I'll probably still be canceled because of that. Okay. I was just going to say, if I were to say that, I would be labeled in a very quick and ugly fashion. I'm going to, you know what, because of that, I'm going to buy you tamales from some random tamale making person and be like, Daniel, if you don't eat this, you're going to be canceled. I'm going to expose you. Yes, yes. The non-Tamali right. eater from somebody on right. complained, Franklin <laughs> Complained that they may be making tamales in their bathtub. Yeah, yeah. And again, maybe that's just the horrible mental image that I have. I, and I don't know where I got that from. I, I know nobody's ever that I know have done that, but I just assume the worst in that way. So, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine somebody making them. Ah, who cares? We're not going to eat them. Yeah. <laughs> <Somebody else. laughs> sound Alex, he'll eat them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He likes them. Oh man. Okay. On that note. Yeah. We're, we're going to take a break on take the, a break. the last episode that I'm going to be on of culture and psychology uh, after being canceled uh, because of my tamale criticisms. Um, I do love tamales though. I just want to make that clear. It's just somebody I know has to make them kind of thing. So I know I'm still canceled. I can't even talk my way out of it. All right. We're going to take a quick break You're going to and come back and continue to talk about not tamales, but talk about stomach and the guts. And again, uh, even the psychological aspects of what that relates to in regards to staying hungry, uh, you know, butterflies in our stomach, fear, anxiety, all of those things. So hold on. We'll be right back. Uh, probably just be Daniel by himself. I, I don't know how quick it, you know, I'll be canceled. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. Hold on. We'll be right back. If not, I'll take over, man. Yeah, there we go. There we go. All right. See you in a minute. welcome myself back to culture and psychology. I, during the break, had a a firm talking to um, 
and uh, was luckily allowed to continue to uh, be on the air for at least the rest of this show. Uh, I can only imagine what's going to happen when Day listens to this show or when she comes back. Uh, yeah, but joining me is Dr. Daniel Rockers. Uh, as I kind of alluded to, Dr. Saideh Malakafzali, our, our host and the, really the guide of all of this, uh, is not with us today, uh, but she will be with us uh, next time. Uh, we do miss you, Saideh, uh, and just want to definitely recommend you never leaving again. This is, uh, this is what happens when you leave uh, Daniel and I to, to our own devices. Things get out of hand. Man. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So today, what we're talking about, uh, if you've been listening, uh, the stomach, the gut, gastrointestinal issues, the connection between mind and body. Uh, definitely, I think the idea too of, of fear is as uh, one of the, as we've been talking about, one of the really big emotions that is connected to the body. Uh, one of the, the the sayings that kind of comes off uh, right off the top of my head is even being a yellow belly. And a lot of times if somebody calls us a yellow belly, we know that they're calling us scared. They're calling us a chicken. Um, there's, it's usually a negative connotation of, of fear holding us back in some way. Uh, sometimes it's uh, not well-deserved. It tends to be more of a criticism. Uh, and sometimes somebody pushing us to do something probably we shouldn't be doing anyway. Uh, but it could be one of those terms that is used against us. And, and interestingly, is related to the stomach. And I wonder too, if it, it, you know, the only thing I can think of that's yellow and is a belly is like a baby chick. And so I, I don't even know like where maybe that term comes from. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll Google it or something in a minute to see where that term kind of comes from. But again, it's, it, I think it relates to the idea of fear. I, I find that fear is one of those emotions too, that, that speaks to a lot of parts of our body. Uh, we can be frozen by fear and that kind of applies, I think, to our whole body. Uh, including our mind, we can kind of just like go blank and be frozen with fear. But I think a lot of times too, when we say like my stomach dropped, you know, the, the fear just completely kind of manifested in the center of us in that way. Daniel, uh, along those lines, yellow belly, our stomach dropping. I mean, do you feel like fear is, is, is mostly lives in the stomach? Would you say it lives in other areas of our body? What's your take on that? Generally, when we ask people about where they experience anxiety, it is more central. It is in the trunk or the viscera part of things, probably somehow related to which the vagus nerve, which innervates that whole central part. You know that pain is hard to localize. Visceral pain is hard to localize. In other words, one organ may be having a problem and sending a pain signal but it feels like something else. It's just a general overall vague, painful feeling. And I think anxiety is that way too. Anxiety doesn't seem, doesn't, I don't think shows up to one specific organ system, but it's something viscerally that people experience in there. It's very interesting, you know, if you think about that anxiety preventing somebody from doing something. Mm -hmm. Muscle paralysis prevents you from physically acting but anxiety also prevents you from executing any number of movements to go forward. And it's completely psychological, except, I, well, maybe it's not completely psychological. You know, like we were talking about yesterday with the idea of the twisties or the yips, that that's a psychological issue. It's unconscious psychological issue, but it is directly getting in the way of physically acting. 
but coming back to anxiety, it's just, it's all, it comes through the psychology of an individual and boy, it'll shut people down right now. If you've ever seen anybody with a phobia of something or people with uh, post-traumatic stress triggers, things which remind them of the original uh, injury or incident, it's extremely powerful, extremely powerful. So much so that sometimes people can't go back to work or they can't ever go to that place again. Yeah, it's interesting uh, along those lines too. I, I don't think the the line between our mind and our body is as clear as we think it is in that way. And so it's it's there is this this bleeding over that kind of happens. It's probably more of a gray area. And I think because of that too, I, I think maybe people can take that as, as maybe more worrisome or fearful that that's the case. I, I think that actually creates the opportunity. I think that's what therapy is. It creates the opportunity to be able to get to those things. So because the mind is connected to the body, we can talk about these things. We can process these things. We can have, we can, we can build and cultivate new relationships with our body and our mind. Those emotions, although they may still elicit some of those physical responses, given that we understand and know what they are, we can start to influence them and impact them even. I think along those lines, like we were saying with our stomach, we can recognize that, oh, when my stomach feels this way, I might be anxious or I might be thinking about these things a lot. And so because of that, I need to, I always encourage people, we need to listen to our body, but we don't have to always go with it. And that's harder to do. We, we, we just tend to once that, you know, my stomach's upset, it's like, oh, that's it. Like, I'm, I can't, I'm not going to. But I think along the lines of listening to it and be like, you know what, my stomach's upset, something's going on, and maybe thinking about something or, you know, I'm stressing about something, even if I don't know what it is, what can I do to take care of myself right now? Let me maybe drink some water, let me sit down for a minute. Uh, even the idea to one of those things I always find so interesting is we've been talking about the, the mind and the body connection. When somebody's stomach is upset, you will put your hands on your stomach. Now we know probably like there's no healing power in our hands by just touching our stomach. Uh, we won't sometimes do it too forcefully, but it's almost like a way of kind of soothing ourselves. And, and probably maybe even the pressure does feel a little good and, and, and like secure. It, it allows us to feel a little like, uh, like I'm thinking of like when we're, engulfed in like a hug or, you know, where we're, we're like in bed and we're, you know, in the blankets, like something about that can feel very soothing and, and very nurturing. And I think that's very common. I think that relates to why it's so common when our stomach is upset, we'll even touch our stomach. And so even that idea, I encourage patients sometimes like when you notice that, like listen to, it could be related to certain things, but that's you kind of trying to be gentle to yourself. That's you kind of nurturing yourself, almost protecting yourself in a way too. We talked about how the stomach is, you know, a, 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 you're a part of your body that you protect. You're, you're protecting yourself. You're nurturing yourself in that moment as a way to, to give to ourselves. You know, again, I think it goes to that idea. If you said your stomach hurts and you, you touch it and you kind of hold your stomach a little bit, people aren't going to be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you touching your stomach? What's going on? Like th that, don't do that. That's, that's dumb. That doesn't do anything. Most people understand because it's very common. They'll do maybe the same thing. It's like, oh, my stomach hurts. Like, let me, let me hold that part of myself. That's a really good point. I never have thought about it in that way. Like if people have a headache or something like that, or a yep. neck ache, it's like, 
touching it in that way. Although I'm not sure I totally agree. I think there could be in the respect in the sense of maybe there is some healing that can come through. Sure. Maybe there is some sort of energy fields. I know that begins to sound a little airy fairy or ethereal, but I think there is possible. I don't believe that we have discovered all the possible energies out there yet. I don't think science has discovered all the possible energies. I am not taking away from science. I think science is the way that we figure things out. So it's, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that there are still more discoveries that science will be making. And those are discoveries about the human system and the human energy fields and all of those sorts of things. No, I totally agree too. I I think it's something I I don't, I, I know it's not, you know, it's not a medication necessarily, but I think it is one of those things. It, it does do something. I think if it didn't, we, you know, if it doesn't work, if it doesn't give us anything, we probably wouldn't do it. Or sometimes obviously, or someone could be so upset, we won't want to touch it, you know, but even then we're still putting our hands near it in a way. So again, that idea of protecting, but yeah, I think there is something to that idea of this energy, something that gives us a, a sense of soothing. Definitely. Mm, yeah. That, and I want to go back also to that idea of yellow belly, that term Mm. yellow belly. I don't also don't know the origin of that, but it suggests difficulty in initiating the thing. There is actually, I want to jump in real quick. Yeah. So I looked it up. Where does the term yellow belly come from? This is from Google. Uh, So it says it's an idiom originated in England as a nickname for people from the Linkshire Fens. This area of England is marshy and contains eels. People say that both the eels and the people have yellow bellies. And so this is like from the 1700s or something like that. So uh, it's it's in the definition. It's uh, also too, it says a cowardly person, a coward. And then the second part of that definition is any of various animals with yellow underparts, which I think is kind of relate to what we're talking about. Maybe it's animals having yellow underparts. And so I was thinking of a cow and maybe you can say more than I can. Cause a cow, if I, if I remember correctly, like underneath a cow, it's exposed. There's not hair there like other parts of the animal. And so that idea too, of that, that part of our, our, the, the animal being more exposed. Is that correct, Daniel, uh, that you know of? I mean, as far as the hair part, yeah, yeah, it's a lighter. It's a the cattle that we had on the farm were lighter mm. in the amount, less dense in terms of the amount of hair that was under the belly. I wonder if it's the thing that if the yellow belly on an animal makes it more vulnerable to being spotted, like it's not camouflaged very well. So maybe it's something along those lines. Either way, it's considered a sign of of weakness. But, you know, I think that it also is almost always stated as a put down or a taunt, Mm -hmm. right? I'm mocking somebody or I'm trying to mock them into getting them to act in an ugly way. So like, what's the matter? But there are other, you know, what else comes in there too, which is related to that is what's the matter? You got cold feet. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting thing too. What that saying is rooted in physiologically is that when we're anxious, what happens is that the blood flow is restricted to the extremities and goes into the main muscles. So if you're anxious, your feet probably are cooler and your hands are too, because you need to have that, the main muscles working. The other thing interesting about that too, which is kind of related to the the gut health piece 
is that when we are anxious or nervous or stressed, the blood is shunted away from the viscera and into the main muscles, which means that you're not going to digest food at that point. And that goes back to that. Don't go swimming shortly after you eat, or you're not going to want to run after you eat. It's not going to get digested. It's going to just sit up in your gut. Mm -hmm. It's also why they say you should sit down when you eat, you should eat with friends, you should take your time eating. It's also probably why people will have a drink or like some wine or something while they're eating. It all helps relax. And when we relax, the blood is shunted more towards the viscera. So we can digest things properly. And we talked about, yeah, I know we talked about too, the idea too, of our, our stomach, you know, maybe taking 15 minutes for us to realize even that we're full. And so again, as you were describing that, it's almost like this slower moving process where otherwise, like you said, with the main muscle groups, like maybe more faster, more reactionary, where our stomach needing to sit down, needing to be more thoughtful, kind of pacing ourselves in that way, almost so that our stomach can kind of catch up in a way. Yes, yes, exactly. Along those lines, I always tell people too, when it comes to like hunger, uh, I find a lot of times, you know, I I jokingly say, you know, our our stomach is like a toddler, if you will. Like when we're hungry, we feel like we're dying. Our stomach is like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. It'll make noise. It'll be awkward. It'll churn, you know, and we're just like, okay, I know, you know, I ain't breakfast. If I don't eat lunch, I know I'm not going to die. I know rationally, logically, I know I'll be okay. I could skip a meal. Worst case scenario, I skip a meal, I'll be okay. But our stomach is like, no, like I'm dying. I'm hungry. It's making kind of noises. Sometimes it can be awkward. People look, are you okay? Are you hungry? Like, oh man, your stomach's talking. People will say that, oh, your stomach's talking. And so it's just like, oh no. I find this happens a lot too, especially when people are trying to uh, start eating healthy and they're adjusting their food intake their stomach, it takes, you know, maybe a week or two before the smaller portions that you eat can feel a little bit normal for you. So again, our stomach, it'll talk to us. It'll, it'll kind of say something's different. Something's wrong. I think a key for me, and I think this is a useful thing in a lot of areas, but for this is to retrain yourself as to the meaning of that signal. There are limits. I want to say this ahead of time, but The idea is that if you're wanting to lose weight and so you're cutting down your food, when your body is getting hungry, what you can tell yourself is, oh, that's a signal that my body is burning some of that fat. And that if, if I don't eat, it's, will be burning up some of that fat to use for energy. So it's a good thing to do. However, there are limits to that. People sure. with e- eating disorders take that to an extreme. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. But anyway, it's just that. And that's what you were essentially saying when you said it takes one to two weeks for the stomach to change size, but it's going to burn off some of that fat. Yeah. It's a way of thinking about it, reprogramming ourselves. Exactly. Well, uh, we got to wrap up for today, uh, but before we do go, I uh, want to give us both an opportunity to kind of leave listeners with kind of a last message uh, in regards to the topic that we were talking about today. Uh, along those lines, uh, would you like to jump in there first, Daniel, and uh, leave listeners with a message for uh, in regards to our, our gut, our stomach? Gut health, good gut health. This is more physical instead of psychological, what I'm going to say, and that is for the microbiome, the gut health, it's good to have something that is probiotic. 
I like certain probiotic yogurts that have lots of different strains of bacteria, digestive bacteria included in them. So that's a good thing to do. That's my recommendation. And I'll go a little bit on the maybe more emotional side of it. Uh, I always encourage people, you know, listen to your body. It's trying to tell you something. But at the same time, we need to, as you mentioned a moment ago, Daniel, we need to learn what that message is so that we can maybe adapt that message to something more constructive, something more uh, healthy for ourselves. And so if our stomach is churning, you know, check out and see what's going on. What am I thinking about right now? What's going on? What am I telling myself about this, this situation? Uh, how am I feeling? What's going on? Uh, even if we're, you know, changing our diet, being aware, okay, my stomach is going to be reacting in a certain way. Uh, we don't always have to jump and respond to that. Again, I, I think our stomach can be like a toddler, like a two-year-old throwing a tantrum if it doesn't get what it wants, as well as even if we're feeling frightened or anxious. And so, again, it's information, but that doesn't mean it has to lead necessarily to responding or reacting to that in a way where it's like, I have to do this. I'm hungry. My stomach's growling because I'm hungry. That doesn't mean we go and eat, you know, 10 pieces of pizza. That means we maybe eat some fruit or eat something healthy for us that's aligned with our goals uh, for our overall well-being in that way. Right. Hungry doesn't mean you need to go to all you can eat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've officially made the stance of, <coughs> excuse me, Tavana's anti all you can eat buffet. We're sorry if we've offended anybody. No, just joking. Right. We won't get those as sponsors. Yeah. Yeah. No more sponsoring uh, all you can eat restaurants anymore. Sorry. I know they were, they were calling probably wanting us to, you know, be on board, but uh, yeah, no, uh, great conversation today. Dr. Daniel Rockers. Uh, I'm Dr. Alex Andrade, uh, Dr. Saide Malakasali. Uh, we missed you. We look forward to having you back on the show. Uh, definitely something that is essential. Uh, otherwise, I mean, we could talk about cold feet next time if side A is not here. We'll just talk about feet and toes and uh, anything else. <laughs> Hammer toe. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Look at our, we're already starting. Yeah. Uh, thank you, listeners, for um, uh, tuning in today. Uh, if you don't like anything that you heard, it's probably because side A isn't here. So we'll just put all the blame on her. Exactly. No, yeah. <laughs> Happy to have her back uh, next week. Uh, continue to have have a good rest of the weekend. Take care of yourselves. Uh, thank you for tuning in to Culture and Psychology. Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alex Andrade uh, signing off for the day. Have a good weekend. Take care of yourself. Bye. Delle divane, barame dirina, be mazare sina, be khabara, delle divane. بی تو باز آمدم از سر 
کوی او دل دیوانه پنهان کردم در خاکستر غم آن همه آرزو دل دیوانه بگویم با من ای دل چه ها کردی تو مرا با عشق او آشنا کردی پس از این زاری مکن حوث یاری مکن تو ای ناکام دل دیوانه با غم دیرینم به مزار سینم به خواباران دل دیوانه با تو رفتم بی تو باز آمدم از سر کویه او دل دیوانه پنهان کردم در خاکستر غم آن همه آرزو دل دیوانه بگویم با من ای دل چه ها کردی تو مرا با عشق او آشنا کردی پس از این زاری مکن حوث یاری مکن تو ای ناکام دل دیوانه با غم دیرینم به مزار سینم به خوابارم دل دیوانه به خوابارم دل دیوانه رادیو بامداد صدای ما و شما با زبانی آشنا